Today being a life day, I'm actually going to talk about a little bit of my um, personal life, my uh, personal career life, I guess you could say, and how it started when I was 14, maybe even sooner than that, and now I'm in my mid-30s and it's finally starting to come true. And what that could mean with my life experience could help you with. So I guess a little bit of backlog. Um, it's just gonna be kind of like why I'm doing this. So just recently in the past year or so, my life has made a major change and turn. And something that I've been trying to accomplish since I was a kid is starting to uh, happen. And I was just listening to someone else who's a very successful business person. And they were kind of explaining how uh, the, harder, the harder it was for someone to get to where they are, the more they tend to teach by telling others. And getting to where I'm at just right now has been an absolute struggle for a very long time. And I think that perhaps there's someone out there that could hear this and learn from it because it took me too long to learn what I learned. Even though I'm okay with it taking as long as it did, I hope that someone can take advantage of my lesson. I mean, at least better than what I... At least better than me. So, I've been playing video games since before I could walk. Uh, according to my parents, at least, you know. I was born the same year um, Nintendo was released in America, the same year my parents uh, got a Nintendo console. And um, I, video games has always been a major part of my life. I can play a game and I can tell you what systems run it behind the, the, the magic layer that pickle, pixels and I can tell you what engines that game is running and how they work, why they work that way and how I can prove through the visual data that it does work that way and one reason why I can do this is because I've played so many games not just played them, beat them, mastered them and destroyed them where I would learn how to get into debug mode and learn how to debug a game and debug a game and most people who've played Sonic the Hedgehog in a Sega knows how to get into debug mode. But they don't know how to use it. They don't know that you can drag your character. They don't know you can put yourself in warp zones, change levels, change all sorts of data, reset the clock, re-give yourself rings. Tons of options. And all those options are there for a reason. But a young idiot as myself, as I like to call myself, moron, idiot... I learned how, why, and what good does it do. I learned through different processes that different games react differently when different situations. Found out how to run illegal games and foreign games on my American PlayStation. Figured out how and why, what pins actually provide power to a Nintendo. Well, you think... 
Nintendo cartridges accept power? Of course. But which pin is it? Why is that important? Um, learn how to take apart game controllers to clean them. Game systems to clean them. Fix them. Put them back together. And play them. Um, when I was 14. Actually, I was younger than 14. I asked uh, my parents. Because they didn't live. They didn't, my parents were divorced. So I had to ask them individually. But I asked for anything to learn how to code. I know my my father didn't even who I lived with um, didn't didn't even have a computer for a year, and I was already asking for something to learn to code. I did have an uncle who was in coding, and he worked for a college, did their entire network website and all that. Although, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot what was going on. I just knew that I wanted to make games. That's what I. That's what I wanted to do. That was why I asked, you know, to get it. And I got the book on my fourteenth birthday. And in our family, um, the fourteenth birthday is like the proving year. Um, for example, I get my kids a Raspberry Pi, teach them how to mine, and then they have to learn how to code, because it, it's proving. We're not, we're not butchers anymore. We don't. We're not farmers anymore, so I can't prove myself in that manner. So I built my first video game at the age of 14, before I was 15. And by the time I was 16, uh, because we were really, really poor, um, I had to get a job or I had to get out of the house. Those were my only two options. Get it, a job or get out. Because my father had to start paying insurance because I had gotten a driver's license. So because I had, because of that extra expense, either I had to pay that expense or I could not live there so he could get rid of that expense because he could not afford it. Understandable. I mean, my mom didn't pay child support and we lived a fairly, fairly hard, poor life. And I understand that. So I got a job. I pretty much stopped doing sports. I uh, barely, very rarely did sports at the time anyways. And I... Even stopped doing Boy Scouts, just uh, just to work. And you'd think, and you know, Boy Scouts is an expensive thing. Well, my Boy Scout troop understood, and actually donated just about everything I ever did and anything I ever needed to help me out. And I did learn how to do quite a bit of stuff on my own, build shelters and things. So I didn't need thing everything, but I dropped everything to go to work, um, and I started working more than my father. Um, I started in high school. I I was working more hours than he was at my job. And then I was also going to school. I went years without seeing my dad. I would be up before him to go to school. And I would be at work before he got home from work. And then uh, he would be asleep when I got home from work. So I just never saw him. I, and I got used to never sleeping. Um, before that I was already used to not eating, so it was very easy for me to just eat once a day at school, and then just do a stew. And so, even while I was working, I still was learning how to code, still learning software, still trying to build games, and trying to expand what I could do. I did get a little lucky, I got, I got kicked out of high school in 10th grade, so... I was actually able to learn quite a bit of um, 
stuff you shouldn't need to really learn. I, I dived into the onion before it was called the onion, back when it's just rooters. Um, I got into cryptocurrencies before they were cryptocurrencies, back when it was bean token and hash cash and these tiny little sub versions of digital currencies that existed at the time. SHA-1 coins and a couple other different things that existed. And that was actually before I had to get a job. So by the time I got a job, I, I didn't have to spend as much time doing that stuff. And I could still perform these actions. You know, I was able to, thankfully, be able to say I actually helped with the um, KB, or, yeah, KB Toy Store online, uh, Toys R Us. You might know it. Um, I actually got to do perform the sit-down. I got to help with that sit-down, digital sit-down that happened. Not a lot of people even know about that. So you might have to go do a little bit of research to find out about the Toys R Us digital sit-down. And it was considered hacking, but it was more of a protest because they stole that web address. That web address was for some other country or some other place. And they pretty much just stole it because that's what Americans do, I guess. Um, but I worked and I worked. And then uh, out of the high school, you know, I joined the Navy before I got out of the high school. Um, I did get in a lot of trouble, and I did have to work extra hard to pay those fines. And then I had to pay to get it removed off my record just so I could join the Navy to try to reform myself just to get kicked out of the Navy for having um, a possible brain disease and a lot of mental problems but and some physical. But I went right back to work. As quickly as I could, and just as just kept living that type of life, and I was a uh, food manager. I was a manager. I was really, really good at managing teams and cooking. So that kind of went hand to hand. Um, being allergic to soy, I had to learn how to cook. So it's kind of good to be good at cooking because then my food tasted better. <laughs> so I. That's what I did for the next 10 plus years, you could say. I, I just, that's all I did. And uh, from the time I was um, 16 to, uh, well, 32 or 33, I pretty much was a manager. Um, well, I guess I, a little bit younger, 28, I stopped managing, I believe, and started accepting, um, I got a forklift job for a company for disabled individuals, and that being a disabled or person with disabilities, I was able to get that job. And being a, a person with disabilities, I did have to deal with a lot of companies that screwed me over. There's a lot of times I worked as a manager and I was being paid less than brand new employees. Um, have to work three, four times more hours and get paid less than them by the hour just to try to have a bigger paycheck than them. And then because of um, child support, in my state, taking over 100% of my pay on leaving me with the bare minimum of $50 a month to live off of for um, almost seven or eight years. It was very difficult to ever have a life. So I spent a large portion of my life working 80 plus hours a week. You know, at some point in time, I worked for four different stores of the same company managing at all four stores and being the training manager for the entire town I lived in. So I was an assistant manager um, for Whataburger in my town 
I was assistant manager at two stores, a shift manager at another store, and then in a different town, I was also a on-the-call shift manager that worked every shift. I worked at least two shifts a day, every day. Um, I worked over a year without a single day off, um, multiple different times, and I was known as an expert at Whataburger, Whataburger policies and everything that had to do with Whataburger, and even at one point in time was able to um, prove to the entire Whataburger training um, operator or operation manager, that's the head person of training them, is they, when new products came out, um, they would show up and train the training managers like me on the new product and I was working on the busiest store in my town and they came in to teach us about some new breakfast product that I was going to have to learn how to make and I was running both the breakfast grill and the regular food grill at the exact same time for the busiest store during the busiest time of the day which was morning and lunch and we had this uh, training manager operator from the head of Whataburger had a came in, you know, from Corpus Christi, Texas, and was going to show me this, but we got really busy. And he tried to help me with breakfast while I was doing regular. And at one point, both me and my boss asked him to back off because he slowed me down over and over and over. And I actually proved to him right then and there and was even able to get, you know, he even said something about I was better than him at my job cooking and I was I was really good at I can handle mentally different sets of information and I can separate data in many different ways so just how I can determine how a video game works I can determine which burger goes next for what process of the system while at the same time understanding where I'm located at on the breakfast menu with all the tickets and new tickets coming in and being able to keep beat because, well, I like music and I tend to keep music playing in my head. Um, being a little bit of a autism showing through. But I don't, I'm not officially autistic. I haven't been tested. But people have confused me for being it. So I tend to use that phrase. And I really was able to show how good I was. And then after having a heart-like attack, I, I had to move away from Waterbury. So... Let's get back more to the norm, the, the where I'm at. So, twenty late twenties, I I got that forklift job, and then here in you know 2020, I lost my job. It was January 22nd, 2020. I lost my job, and it was um, I, I didn't get any assistance. Basically, the state of that I live in told me, too bad, don't care, you're not getting unemployment. Um, I didn't get COVID assistance, no COVID relief. I didn't get any kind of help. I've never received a stimulus package. I've never received any money from the government. Um, the most I got was after about six months, they gave me and my wife and uh, my daughter um, food stamps. Um, obviously, I, I don't live on my own. I mean, it's kind of hard to pay rent when I, I literally have no money. I made less than $2,000 in 2020, and so, yeah, there's no way I could have paid any kind of rent. And in my town, they are kicking people out for not paying rent. So I'm living with my father, and that's fine because he's a really nice guy. He understands what's going on, and we're doing everything we can to help him while he's helping us. 
I mean, it's kind of cool to be a personal chef for my dad, but I would have rather been a personal chef for someone else, I guess. But let's just keep going to where my point is. So I spent an obscene amount of time not doing what I want, not doing what I like, and not doing what I love because I had to work, and I had to work more than everybody else, it seemed like, because I couldn't get treated equally because people understood I did I was disabled and I would work and I had to work so they were taking full advantage of me and even at the place where I worked for being di- and being disabled with other some disabled and non-disabled people I was still being taken advantage of still being bullied and still had to deal with high school bull crap every single day I had to work more hours than I should have ever and every other day it seemed like there was more that they wanted me to do Unless they were making other people do, and it was terrible. It's terrible how much time I've really lost uh, just working. And yeah, I have absolutely nothing to show for it. I have information and knowledge that half of it I can't really prove because, well, how in the heck am I going to prove what happened to Waterburn? I'll can find that guy again and record him talking about it. How am I going to prove, you know, how I was treated on. A federal post where I'm not even allowed to record information. So there's always these points where it's like, okay, it's really for nothing. I didn't really earn any money. I didn't even earn enough money to save. So obviously I was 100% screwed. And um, knowing that, you know, you've heard me say I, I, I do have a wife. I do have a kid that lives with me. I do have two kids that don't live with me. And I, you know, I can't pay child support when I don't have a job did pay some child support in 2020, but not all enough, not enough to pay everything, and to be honest, that sucks for them, because I know that's less that they've had, not only is, have I absolutely had nothing, our family has basically had absolutely nothing, and we've had to learn how to live on nothing, they've also had nothing, or technically from me, it's not actually true, they've actually had stuff, they're mother has a job and doesn't and she makes a lot more money than I ever made and doesn't have to worry about anything I have to worry about which is good so almost 20 years after I started my adventure to make video games um, I'm finally being commissioned to make video games in 2020 while I didn't have a job, I did have Ethereum. That some of the Ethereum I had been holding since I helped figure out information on DAO hacks and early, early Ethereum um, testing and stuff. And so I took advantage of having all this old Ethereum and I minted like crazy NFTs of every kind, shape, color. I performed some of the first NFT actions, like I've said before on here. I performed many firsts in NFTs, although I'll never probably be recognized for it. I did also create the first sub-interactive video game that was an NFT inside of an NFT, where the prize was also locked inside the NFT. And then I took it a step further and built the first board game NFT with the actual full, fully embedded board. And then I also went a step further and built a VR, 3D, AR-capable board that was included in 
value currency that was included in an extreme set of rules. When I say extreme, I mean like a rule set for the game that made sense, that made the game usable, friendly, fun, competitive, and it actually made sense. And it was blockchain related. It kind of taught about how you know blocks may work and then allowed people to use stuff they normally wouldn't in, in a way where they could do this again competitively amongst each other even if they weren't playing all in the same room or in the same spot so you could play this game across zoom you could play this game online you could play this game offline you could actually play this game through the you know snail mail letter system it was different and now a little over a year after I minted that board game and the other sub-interactive game, I'm, people are noticing that there are NFT game designers. So now I can probably say I'm the very first NFT game maker and NFT game designer. Not just making a game that uses NFTs, but actually making a game inside the NFT without coding abilities in the NFT. But now there's a platform where I can actually mint NFTs for Ethereum that I can put code in there. I can fully embed games inside the NFT. And now I've finally been commissioned to make two NFT games that are very unique. Uh, I am a little shocked that I've actually made this progress in such a short little time. It's been just under a year or just over a year or so, right around a year since I made the games on those NFTs, and even though no one's purchased them, I have sent dozens, or about a dozen, board game NFTs to people to try. People have played it. People have given it attempts, and some people have not been able to figure it out. But there are some people that were able to play it, play it with their kids, and have an absolute blast. And find a real reason for giving their kids tablets in the first place. But what, what does that mean? How did I do this? Well, hey, I, I had to put a lot of work, a lot of thought, and a lot of action, and then I had to repeat myself over and over and over. Had to remind people over and over and over. I did this. I did that. When I was the, one of the first people to put music inside NFTs, where people could actually download the music. No one noticed. Other people did. They got noticed because they were more popular. Their stuff sold. Cool. But me reminding people about all the crap I've done for NFTs and showing how it can be done and how these systems work and how it can really truly do, I'm finally starting to get noticed. And I'm glad to be noticed for making games because that's what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be involved in game making game testing, game building, game everything. Love games. It's one of the few things that I, I can do over and over and over and over and over. Is play games. And sometimes I wonder if the you know, 18 years of my life working so much that there was many times where in order just to play a game, I had to choose not to sleep. 
I started living 32-hour days where I didn't go to sleep unless I'd been up for at least 32 hours. Where that and a combination of medications that I was pres prescribed by doctors actually gave me symptoms of narcolepsy where now I have to be really careful about what I do because I might just pass out for no reason against my will. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. I have had a heart-like attack and been in the hospital. I've had to be put on rehabilitation for things and I've lost control of one of my legs and I had to go through therapy, physical therapy for it because I was working that much and I didn't want to be out of my kid's life so I would get my kids in between work. I'd go to work, I'd get off, I'd get my kids, I'd have my kids and then all the way to the point that I had to go back to work. I had to learn to go 32 hours or more without sleep. I had to learn how to have a, well, be in a position at a job. And at first it was eight hours and then 12 hours and then I had to figure out how to do 24 hour shifts. And then after I started doing 24 hour shifts, I had to get used to 28 hour shifts. And then I had to get used to doing 28 hour shifts and then driving an hour to another town and performing another 12 hour shift and then driving another hour to my town to perform, you know, just to be able to hopefully see my kids before I go back to work and do it all over again. And a lot of this probably seems like unreal, but if you've never worked food service, fast food, or even like any kind of culinary, even professional, like I've been line cook and stuff, but I spent most of my time as a fast food cook, fast food manager, then you don't have a clue because those are some of the people that have to work the most amount of hours because the amount of money they actually make is nothing. And then a lot of times the, the habits they have are terrible because of the hours they have to work. And it all feeds into itself. My first year without a job, I've put in applications over 200 locations of places in two different or three different states. I can't even tell you how many towns I've put in applications in, not just the town I live in, other towns, towns all over the place, and towns I didn't live in, towns where I knew if I got a job there, I would have to walk to that town, live in that town, and then walk home at least once a week to see my family because I would not be able to afford to drive. And I would not be able to afford to drive back and forth every day. So I'd have to be a gutter worker, homeless, working there until I got a, day, a couple of days off to walk home and see my family. I, I was actually able to put time and effort and energy into what I was doing. The year a couple of years before I lost my job in 2018, I started private paper with a friend because... I started doing web coding just a couple of years before that and web page designing and stuff and I was still doing it in my spare time so I was still taking and losing sleep just to build these websites that were absolutely for free. I wasn't charging anybody for anything, I wasn't making anything and I was just doing it to learn mostly and to give back to people who wanted like free cryptocurrency and where to find the best whatever for crypto. I also wrote books before that that have never sold. And just spending this one year, 
I was able to take private paper from a know-nothing business to now we have a multitude of generators of products people can use, build their own digital papers, their, their own web pages, their own hash pages, their own mesh nets, their own blockchains, their own NFTs, their own everything, their own newspapers. And we've developed a system, or I developed a system that truly gives back. And I'm starting to get noticed for it because I was able to put in 20-hour code sessions, you know, six days a week, something I couldn't do when I was working 28 hours at a time, 28-hour shifts with maybe an hour break in between so I could drive from one place to another. And I'm kind of... I'm really glad that I am where I am now. I'm still not successful, but I feel like I have more than I've ever had before, even with absolutely nothing. I have a the strongest support system I've ever had in my life. Even as a kid, I've never had this much support from friends and actual family. I, I'm not... I'm a person that doesn't even talk to my siblings because I don't have support with my siblings. My siblings don't have my support and they bat and vice versa. And I don't even talk to my one of my parents because, you know, they she abandoned us and I don't want nothing to do with her. But I have the biggest support amongst my kids, my wife, my father, and my friends. And not physical friends, friends I grew up with, but friends that I've made online. That Some of them I didn't get to meet until 2020 for the first time after knowing them for eight years. It's crazy. I had been working with one of my friends that I've known online for eight years. been working with him for over two years. Got to meet him for the first time. Known him for eight. Worked with him for two met for the first time in 2020. And I, I, I can't believe it happened. And it's not the end. I'm accomplishing more and doing more with absolutely no money, with absolutely nothing on a cell phone, on a Chromebook. And I, I can't believe that when people say, they took a plunge to risk everything. I get, I get what they mean. When I didn't have a choice because I couldn't get a job because I couldn't get on Uber. Uber wouldn't accept me. And Ship wouldn't accept me. None of these places that do gig work would accept me. I couldn't get a job anywhere because I'm to the employer too disabled to be insured while on duty. So I'm unable to be hired. While the federal government's telling me, well, just because I'm not able to be hired by any place because I'm too disabled by insurance companies does not mean I'm too disabled at work. And then my state telling me that just because I, I lost my job doesn't mean I deserve or can get unemployment. And actually, my state 
has even said that I cannot get unemployment until I make 10 times the amount of money I made at my last job, which I had for six years and made the most amount of money I'd made since I had left Whataburger. That's pretty crazy to know that not even my state, my city, or my government has my back. And if it wasn't for my daughter and my wife, I wouldn't be getting food stamps. And we've applied for food stamps when I've had lost jobs before and never received them. And one of the times I didn't receive food stamps because, quote unquote, my brother was receiving food stamps. That didn't make any sense. But that was what I was told by my state. Another time I was told I wasn't going to be able to receive food stamps because the person on the other side of the DHS place said... They didn't want to give it to me. And their manager even backed them up and saying that even though I met all the requirements to receive assistance, they were not required to give it to me because I was a white male. And if you're not one of the groups of people that actually get discriminated for weird things, you'll never know. I'm a white male and I'm also a Latino male. So... I get both ends of everything. Either I'm too white or I'm not white enough. And it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, they're just going to do it for any reason. It's just more of like because I'm poor, because I can't afford clothes that look good, because I can't afford enough razors to shave every day. And nowadays, because I have... Um, possible nerve damage in my face. My face is literally in pain every single day of my life now. I can't shave because the pain is too much. I, I get treated poorly and I get treated terribly. And online, that changes because I don't actually have to show me. My work can finally start to show and prove for myself that I'm able to do this stuff. When someone with absolutely no money is taking a system and building onto it video games and board games and interactive games and puzzle games in a system that people really thought was just for art. Couldn't it be interactive? And I proved them wrong. Even before there was a system for interactive versions of these, that starts to show something. The fact that it's immutable on the blockchain, unless I choose to burn because no one's purchased it, that shows something. Because now companies are starting to do what I did last year, that shows something. And even when I was visiting my friends in Philly, I got to learn that even in October of 2020, some of the highest uh, ranking NFT sellers and mentors and creators on Rarible made stuff based on what I did. Even though they would refuse to buy anything I made, they refused to acknowledge that I had anything to do with it. I did get to learn that they were listening. They were watching every move I did because everything I did, if they did it, they made money. They... I was considered an underground gold mine. And until I talked to some influencers that 
I got to meet for the first time, I would have never known this. And not just influence, but other people. It's like, once one person told me, and I started talking to other people, I knew that I heard about this. More people told me. And it came into this point where I realized that they weren't telling me, these friends online weren't telling me what they knew because out of fear, it might just put me into a stronger depression for a while it did. But boy, am I glad I know now. Not only do I meant more and say less, but now I spend a lot more time thinking and how can I capitalize and how can I marketalize and how can I actually make money off this before these other people even notice I made it. Because I, I'm understanding that I can't really sell products that well. I'm not good at selling anything. I, I can't even sell my own clothing lines that's been in existence for over 12 years. Um, it, I'm starting to learn how to do everything. If uh, these, Like these commission jobs. I can't sell myself. But my product did. The fact that they could go on, see it, I can explain to them, show them, and even teach them about it. It no longer mattered if I could sell. They were already sold. And so now I'm, I'm going to be able to make games for a living, hopefully, in the weirdest way possible. Through NFTs, on NFTs, buy NFTs crazy. I can actually think back and remember times where I was suggesting to Bitcoin devs information that would never get seen. Bips that never got noticed. And then I can think further back and actually remember conversations in IRCs and other chat systems where I was hosting them through these, uh, you know, the manager computers in different stores and talking to people that are now, you know, would never talk to me ever again. And and saying, hey, we can secure a network. And by just looking at the traffic route and hashing it. And when people take wrong routes, we can actually determine that that's not a part of our network or not. And how we can actually verify network activity autonomously. And how can we use hashings in different ways. And how can we... Hashing is just the beginning, and I, I can think back to times where I was learning what marketing was by learning how Beancoin worked, and then going like a year later to school and taking marketing and finding out that really is how it worked, and it, just knowing that. If I would have stopped working a long time ago, if I would have never, if I would have just told my dad, okay, dad, I, I would rather leave your house than go to work at the age of 16 just so I can continue building video games. Just so when I finally got offered that job when I was 17 to work for ESRB and I turned him down out of fear that I, I didn't know that I, if I could do it or not, or if I could make it because I had a job, maybe I would have taken that job after all, and then I could have been testing video games for ESR Bay 
And I could have been writing video games since I was 17. But I lost out on that opportunity because I had a job and I had to work. And I was scared that I wouldn't have been able to do the job. Something that now I understand I could have done back then. Because I understood how that systems work. I could play a game for five minutes and understand if it was going to be violent or not. Or how the system actually worked. I could have made a difference and I didn't. But now I had the opportunity just because of not even my own choice. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking... I, I could never, you know, you're thinking to yourself, you can never do something, blah, blah, blah. Maybe try. And when I say try, I mean more than try. I mean try on top of try. Yoda says there is only do and don't. There is no try. But I disagree. Everything starts with a try and continues with more tries until the tries are no longer tries and they are do. So keep trying until you are doing, because until then, you're only trying. And if you believe in what Yoda says, then you're not doing, and you're doing absolutely nothing other than learning. And even though there's nothing wrong with learning, learn more, learn faster by trying harder, trying more often, trying more. Try losing more sleep to build games instead of play games. Maybe if you get offered overtime, don't take it every time. Spend more of that time learning by doing, by trying even more. This is one of the longest podcasts I've ever done with nine no stops. Just straight talking and hoping you understand that it can get better even when it's worse. So I have no sponsor for today's episode. Actually, I don't have any sponsors anymore. And so I just want to give a shout out to the person that really made a difference for me this past decade. Damn near decade. Um, Kenneth Bozak. Um, I'm going to have uh, something on the, on the... You're going to be looking at something that you can click on to go visit his his uh, website because Kenneth Bozak is the only reason why I have work right now he's actually the one that brought attention of what I was doing to other people that were trying to do the same thing I did a year before and now those same people commissioned me to make some games that I, I am absolutely ecstatic to do and if it wasn't for people like him pushing people that were watching his streams by saying, if I can do it, you can do it because of his personality and how he chooses not to learn so much. And and I see his success, his success and I think, I do want to be successful. But... I might not want to be successful the way he is. But damn, I respect his hustle so bad. Because I did that same kind of hustle, but for the wrong thing. I hustled for businesses like Whataburger and Trace Inc. and, you know, McDonald's even. 
I, I hustled for companies that did not have my back. Now I'm hustling for companies that even before I got to have, even started hustling for them, they have my back. And I think that's the difference. If you're working for something, if you're working for someone, if you're doing something and you don't feel like your employer has your back, they don't. They almost never do. Your boss might, but your employer won't. And until your employer does have your back, does respect your hustle, you got to find a better employer. And everyone, please click on the, the button on your screen. Visit Kenneth Bozak's uh, website. Visit Kenneth Bozak on Twitter. He's a human faucet. He actually gives away more cryptocurrency than I've seen anybody else. He gives away more NFTs than I've seen anybody else. He's given away more than I've seen anyone else in this space give to the people not charities not this and that although he has given to charities and such he's given so much more to the people around him people who follow him his his supporters his everything and that's the kind of hustle I respect not just his his marketing hustle and his game hustle and his NFT hustle and his investment hustle I respect his giving hustle 100%.